Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 9.15 and 11 a.m. at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message, as usual, will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. So uh, we wanted to continue our series on building a solid life. And I thought it would be best for you that I brought my better half uh, with me today. Because truth be told, she's a much better communicator than I am. Uh, I'm hoping that she can untangle a lot of the mess that I make uh, on, this, on this stage. So um, You don't make a mess. I don't make a mess? No. Oh, you're so nice. <laughs> That's not what she says at home. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true either. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, so we, we, we talked about building a solid life after the honeymoon because there's always this honeymoon season. Um, and then that doesn't really last. And then we talked about having a rule of life. Right? Because without a rule of life, we kind of just go with whatever is in front of us. Right. Um, so I, I, th I thought it would be good if we talked about how do we maintain a solid life. Right. Right? Because it's, it's one thing to start something. It's another thing to maintain it. Yeah. Right? And to stay in it. Right. Day in and day out. And I know it's not hard for you because you've been in love with me for, you know. <laughs> Forever. A very long time. So this would be easy. I can't uh, see anybody over here. Can I move my you chair? Can, you can move your chair. That's not going to mess up anything, right? No. Well, that's okay do, if it does. Because you can do whatever you want. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Okay. Um, Great. But how about a little icebreaker first? All right. I know you love to eat. I know you love to eat. I love to eat. So do you. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite late night snack? So it changes from time to time. So I'll tell you my current favorite midnight snack. It's pretzels and Nutella. Have you guys ever tried that before? Oh, man. It's Got a couple so of fans good. over there. It's the best snack. Because it almost makes me feel like, like it's not that bad for you. You know what I mean? Like Nutella, it says like it's made with hazelnuts and skim milk and a little bit of cocoa. And I'm like, all right, that's good. You know? And pretzels are just like the boring snack yeah. of life. So I feel like it's... It's a pretty good. So it's not that night. bad. It's not that for you. bad, right? It's like the, those people that go to Burger King and order a crazy meal and then go, "I get a diet coke." It's not that yeah, bad. Yeah, it's not that bad. You know. Or like, you can get, or you can get Burger King and then have water with it, and then it's like it didn't even happen. Just like washes it right away. That I believe in. <laughs> Wash it down. For some reason, water 
helps with calories. Yeah, I think so. Yay. Ignorance is bliss, they say. So. What's your favorite snack right now? Um, right now, summertime, cherries. I love cherries. Yeah. Got some, some people like cherries over here. I don't sleep well at night, so I, I have a snack every night around 2, 3 in the morning. <laughs> True story. And then I wash it down. With some with, water. With water. Um, so we've been married for how long? I'm testing you. Testing me? Yes. Just test yourself. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. I know. You don't is. know how long we've been married. You don't know. You how long have we been married? I know how long we've been. I'm not asking you how long <laughs> we've been married. Can't answer a question with a question. But I can. So you don't know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I see. For the sake of moving this along, it's been 14 years. Yeah, 14 years. 14 and a half. <laughs> so how was it for you after the honeymoon? <laughs> oh, man. So, um, when we got married, I was pretty young. I, was, I had just turned 22 when we got married. So I had just graduated from college, just moved away from home. Um, first job, like first kind of everything. So the first year was, it was, it was fun in some ways, but in other ways it was really, it was really hard. Um, just because there were so many transitions, there were so many transitions for me. Um, and I, you know, I had the big picture in my mind, like, oh, this is going to be fun. Like, I love him. I knew that we both wanted to do ministry. So all of, like, the big things in life really lined up. But it was when, um, you know, a few months in where I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit of a mess. Um, and then, so it was, it was like untangling some of my own things and the own things in my, in my heart that I didn't know were there. And I was okay with that. But then when he started bringing his stuff into it, too, I was like, oh, I wasn't ready for that. Like, I thought you were perfect. <laughs> close. It was so close. <laughs> so I was ready. I was kind of ready for it, but, like, kind of not. <laughs> How about you? Well, <laughs> I, I, think, I think what marriage does, which is hard to help people understand in the beginning, is that I think marriage exposes you. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you are exposed to your own stuff. Right? I want to say crap, but you told me not to say crap. Um, so I'm working on not saying crap. Unbelievable. But I think, <laughs> I think, I think marriage exposes you. Yeah. You know, I think you don't realize how much work you have to do on yourself until you're living with someone every day. And those things are brought to light, like, more than ever. It's a constant sleepover. You're like, when you're dating, you're like, you can always go home. Yeah. But it's like now you're like, this is home, right? I have to say. And, 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 and you are exposed. And so for me, it was really an exposure of my own stuff. Um, I think marriage made me realize that I can be extremely selfish, you know, and that a lot of times it's easy to just do the blame game. But at some point you have to look at your own self and say, wait, what work do I need to do right. in, this, in this situation? So it was out of our marriage, what was it, about two years into it that I f felt the need to really find counsel because 
I realized that, man, I got stuff that I need to work on that has nothing to do with you, that just marriage just exposed it more, yeah. right? Because when you're by yourself is one thing, but when you're with somebody else, now it's like there's more there. Right. And so it was through that that I was able to go to counselor, and it was one of the best things that could happen to me because I had to unpack some of the stuff that I hadn't dealt with for a very long time, you know? Find myself being very angry, uh, but not knowing where that's coming from, right? And I realizing that this, it wasn't you ever. It was stuff from way back that I hadn't dealt with and unpacked. And so for me, marriage exposed that. And I say that because a lot of times people get married and then they get disappointed, but they don't, they don't realize the disappointment wasn't the marriage. It was the stuff that you never dealt with. You know, so you got to deal with your stuff. So, yeah. If you could go back and tell yourself anything, like right after we got married, what advice would you have given yourself? Work on your crap. I mean, your stuff. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> um, no, I, I think I would go back and, first of all, hindsight, you say, this is a marathon. It's not a sprint. A lot of times I think we want things to get fixed, like right now, right? right? We don't realize that this thing is a journey and it's gonna take time. It's gonna take effort, right? right? Marriage is work, right? And the personal work will affect the unity of the house, right? right? So I think it's taking personal ownership for yourself, knowing that, hey, this is gonna be a journey, right? When you say I do, hopefully you're saying I do forever, right? right? And that there's going to be some bumpy moments. But the key is, did I come into this knowing that I'm going to work on it? You know, not like any sign of trouble that I'm going to just jump ship, yeah. you know? And so I think it's about really having that mindset that I need, to, I need to work on me. If I don't do that, then I'm going to keep imposing you to do something that you can't even do for me. Yeah. And I think that's a danger of marriage when you want the other person to be God. And no one can be God for you. Right. So. And I think that when you're dating, you, we talked about this a little bit, like when you're dating, you, you go to hang out with one another and, you know, it's like, they just make me happy. And it's a normal, it's like a normal emotion and it's very normal and it should be that way. But then after a certain point when you get married, you know, we almost kind of get into things thinking like, oh, they're my savior. We don't, I don't think we would actually say, you know, I would have never said Marco is my savior, but... If I were to have stripped everything away, I think that in some ways he was. Like, I was going to, like, this is the issue that I have, or this is this thing that's going on. And then when you get married, and it's like, okay, wait a minute, my soul, my responsibility, like, he's not, he's not my God. And we, you marry to come together to strengthen one another and to push each other forward. And that's why the Bible talks about not being unequally yoked. It's not just talking about not you know being with someone that's not a christian it's saying it's talking about that but it's also saying like make sure that they can carry their weight because when you're yoked together you both have a responsibility to hold something right. and to carry something yeah and i think a lot of disappointment comes from the reality that perhaps we haven't made god the center right. because if god is not the center then you're worshiping the person Right? But when God is the center, then you know that that person needs God, and you need God to be able to uphold the other person as well. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of marriages fail, is that if one person is not taking that responsibility of my soul, 
then, yeah, you are unequally yoked. Right. Because now, here you are having to work on yourself and try to drag another person right. along with you. And that's why I always say, like, in marriage, you don't want to be a missionary. You want to be a missionary to a dying world. Right. So don't, don't marry unequally so you don't have to carry that weight. That no, you're not supposed to. Right. In marriage, it's supposed to be an equal thing, right. like a partnership. That's what God called it, right? Uh, and, and that the only way it's going to work is that both are carrying, quote, unquote, the, the weight of it, right. you know? Right. So I think, I think that's the mistake that I see a lot of times, especially in church. It's like, well, we both go to church. Yeah, but are you both working on your salvation? And are you both working on your marriage, you know? Going to church is half the battle. Right. The other half the battle is like, what are we doing? What we're we learning in church to make this marriage work, right? right? right. So I think it's, it's having that mindset that, hey, the honeymoon is never going to last, but our marriage could last, yeah, right? If we're working on it, both of us, right. you know? It takes two to make things go right. It takes two to make it out of sight. Yeah. And I don't want to rock, right? Like right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Um, but I, I want to talk not just about marriage, but just all of it, because I think building a solid life is, is all around. And we talked about having shaky foundations, that we all need to be aware that we all can have sandy foundations um, that could creep up, right? And I just want to remind us of those foundations that we talked about that are shaky is feelings. Can't rely on feelings, right? Especially marriage. You can't rely on feelings, Right? If you're relying on feelings, your marriage will suffer. Yeah. Your relationship with God will suffer if you rely on feelings. Your business will suffer. Can you imagine a business owner going, I don't feel like working today? <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah, you don't feel like having a business. You know? Um, so feelings is one. The other thing we talked about was cutting corners, you know, trying to get there quick. Right? Um, not realizing that cutting corners leads to a dead-end street. Right? We talked about um, another foundation being weak inner circle, which that's another thing that's, that marriages hurt is when you have the wrong voices speaking into your marriage. You know, we talked about how you should be careful with that girlfriend who doesn't have a husband but knows everything about marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or that dude who doesn't have a wife. He wants to shoot pool all the time, but you have a wife to go home to. You know what I mean? That's a weak inner circle. And also having unteachable spirit where we just stop learning, we stop growing. So out of all those, which one jumps out at you? Uh, feelings, probably. And it's interesting because when, we were, when, when I was thinking about this question, I really had to, it took me a long time to figure this one out because I was thinking, I don't think that I ever, um, I don't think I ever thought, oh, this is a sandy foundation. I didn't know I had a sandy foundation until I was sinking. So when, you, when I had that sense of, you know, I would say something or I'd be around someone or in a, a situation and I'd walk away feeling sad, lonely, unsettled, that's when I, was, that's when I had to stop and dig down and figure out, okay, why do I feel this way? And then trace it back. And I think, you know, this has been my experience. I grew up in church. You know, I, my experience has been sometimes when you grow up in church or when you're around it a lot, you just really know how to say the right things. And it didn't ever take away from 
my experience with Jesus, but I did really know how to say the right things, and I did a lot of things based on the fact that I was likable, that I wasn't a troublemaker. I just kind of was easy to be around, and I knew I was, and I, I rode that high, um, always saying Jesus' name and always, you know, applying his principles, and I think that God blessed that, but it wasn't until I had to, I had a, a, a situation that had come up a few years ago, and I realized, oh my goodness, what have I been building my life on, truly, like, in my quiet time, in my alone time, like, when no one's watching, and I'm watching Netflix, and then I walk away, and I'm like, wait a minute, why do I feel like this? I feel weird. I shouldn't have been binge-watched this, or I shouldn't have said this, or whatever it was, and self-reflection is an important piece of your spirituality and of your life. We can't just assume that everything is going to work out okay, assume that all of our relationships are going to fall into place, assume that we're just going to get the job, assume I'm going to make this promise to someone in marriage and everything is going to be fine. We can't make those assumptions because ultimately it's, it's selfish and you're playing with other people's emotions and you're not responsible. You're not being responsible. Um, and so I... For, you know, I had to sit with that one for a little while, and I read this verse. If we can put it up, it's in Lamentations. It says this, So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord, and it is good for people to submit at an early age to the yoke of his discipline or the weight of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dust, for there may be hope at last. And when I read that, I was like, wow. Like, you got to take your looks from the Holy Spirit sometimes. Like, sometimes you just have to, you have to let the Lord discipline you. And that, from my experience, and it's a biblical truth, is where real growth comes from. Like, when someone calls you out on something, instead of having this, like, oh, no, you don't know me. If it's someone whose life stands up to what they're saying, you need to listen to that. And you need to take that discipline the way that um, you need to just truly take that discipline and let it happen and it go through the experience and that's part of what self-reflection is and so that was what I think that when you are looking at your life you might not see any sandy foundations for some of you you might see them and it might pop up right away but for other people it might be challenging like it was for me it was a challenge to find it but then when I did I had to, it was like a sad, (laughs) it felt like a sad kind of experience, but you have to let yourself go through it because then you come out of it knowing my life is built on solid ground. That's good. You know, for me, what, what jumps out for me is the whole unteachable spirit because as a leader, leaders have this independent spirit to them which I think is God-given, but every gift could be a curse, you know? And so I think it's important to, to get to that place that you realize, wow, this, this very gift could be also my demise if I'm not paying attention to how I'm going about my gifting. And so for me, it's really being intentional about checking in, being intentional about being accountable to my own pastor and, and my own leadership team, and even to you, uh, as, as, as my wife, I think it's, it's something that I constantly have to do on purpose to not be a lone ranger because it's easy to isolate yourself and just say, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do this, but not check in with anybody, which I know this has been 
And, I, and I, you're smiling because it's an ongoing challenge in our marriage. It's just nice to hear you say it out loud <laughs> with all of our closest friends. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, my name is Marco. <laughs> and I'm a Lone Ranger. And I don't want to be a Lone Ranger. Um, so, yeah, so for me, it's that intentional checking in. Yeah. Um, and I wait until after I made a decision to be like, oh, yeah, so this is what we're doing. <laughs> you know, so I'm, 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 I'm learning to do that better. Um, and I'm, I'm making a constant decision to talk to my pastor at least every week. We talk every week just to make sure that, hey, we're staying in, in connection and it's not an independent thing. And that sounds weird because we live in a time of independence. But the Lord teaches us to be dependent on him and on each other. You know, it was the moment that Adam and Eve decided, no, we're good, we're independent, that things went wrong. So I think there is a demise to independence when it's not rooted in accountability. So. Um, anything else on this? No? No. Okay. How about, again, I want to touch a little bit on each area of life. What about parenting? You know, we have an army. Um, we have five kids, <laughs> if you don't know that. So let's talk about parenting a little bit. Um, what are you learning as a parent lately? Uh, it's, it's just something new every day. I was actually talking to my, my, my parents about this a couple of weeks ago. Me and my sisters are all adults. And we're just you know, talking about parenting. They're my, my, kind of my sounding board. Um, and I was like, man, you're just always learning something. And they said, yeah, you're right. You just are always evolving as a parent. And so I, you know, this new stage of life for us, we have, so we have five children. Our two oldest are, we have a 13-year-old and a 12-year-old, and then a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a four-year-old. And so we're at kind of two different, um, we're in different stages right now with our kids, uh, where for a while it was the maintenance of kids, it was diapers and, you know, don't throw up on me, like that kind of thing, um, where now it's more <laughs> of the emotional maintenance of them and all the emotions and all their feelings and them and teaching them uh, what it means to really know the Lord and to trust his promises. And so right now, one of the things that a few of the things that I'm really learning is that my encouragement goes further than my criticism. And when you spend so much time with your kids, especially, you know, because of the pandemic and just being home all the time, um, <laughs> I didn't even do that to be funny. It was just like, I was trying to think. I was like, wait, no, it's been all the time. We're always home. Um, and when you're with somebody all the time, it's so easy to be critical of them and, you know, pick up, do this, do that. Stop talking like this to your brother. Stop doing that. Keep your hands to yourself. And some of that stuff you have to do just to keep everyone alive in the house <laughs> and for just the, basic, the basics. But... I've been learning a little bit more that me encouraging my child, the, the kids, is so much more meaningful to them, and it yields a much better benefit. And it doesn't mean that I don't lay into them, because sometimes you have to. Um, but I feel like there's, a, there's more peace 
when I'm not breaking up every argument and letting them try to figure some stuff out, but my, me encouraging them and then challenging them every day, like, okay, let's go a little bit further. You can go a little bit further because at some point they're not going to be, they'll always be my children, but at some point they're gonna, going to be adults, and I want them to always look back and think, like, my parents encouraged me, they challenged me, and they taught me God's promises. Yeah. Um, and especially with the older ones now, we, I've felt really convicted about making sure that they're learning the promises of God because if they, I, I want them to understand that solid foundation. And it's something that I was taught as a child, like when we were in Sunday school, we always learned Bible verses and, you know, some of them I still can remember and I can hear like one word and I'll just like go into my whole, the whole thing and I remember everything. And, you know, at the time it was like, oh, okay, I don't really know what that means. But now as an adult, it's like I can pull back in this archive of all these scriptures and all the stuff that I've been taught. And so for, that's one, those are the few of the things that I'm learning right now is encouraging them, challenging them, and teaching them God's promises so that when they are, when they, when they do leave the house, I know that I did everything that I could to set them up for success. They're gonna make their own choices, right. but I did my part, you know? Yeah, for me it's, um individualize the kids, because it's easy to see them as a package deal. It's like there's five of them, you know. Um, but the older they get and the more you're seeing that they each have their own personality. They each have their own ways. And so I've been really trying to be intentional about individualizing them. And one of the things I'm doing practically to do that is I've been taking them out once a week. On Mondays, uh, they know now is, is, you know, I'm calling it a date with dad. Um, that's not cool for the guys. Um, we're hanging out with dad. Um, but I'm trying to take them out individually just so they can know that I care about them individually and not just as a whole. Um, it's been really cool to do that. Um, like tomorrow, uh, my son already told me what we're going to do tomorrow. So I let them pick what we're going to do. And I just want to spend time with them. I just want them to know, like, this is, I want to do what you want us to do so you know that you, I value you, not just because we live together, but I value you as a person, too. I think that's important. Um, to do. And the other part goes along with what you're saying. Uh, I, I have to work hard on this is to not exasperate the kids. The Bible says don't exasperate your children. Meaning like don't be so much on top of them all the time that you, you, you're sucking life out of them. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times I think we mean well, but we're doing too much. Yeah. Right? We're just like on, always on top of the kids. Not realizing that, man, you are suffocating them. You know, you're not helping them. And I think especially I think uh, people that grew up in church have to be very careful with this because, you know, we want to be very, you know, protective. We want to help them. But it's like sometimes you can do too much. You do more than God would do, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and so I think learning to, to just pull back and let them develop, like you're saying, like let them figure out some stuff. Let them figure out how to uh, get along without us always having to tell them what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think those two things, individualizing them and not exasperating them, Especially, I don't know if you guys, parents, deal with this, but the ones that you struggle with the most are the ones that remind you the most of yourself. <laughs> like, for me, is, is one of my sons. Like, I feel like we're so much alike that I just want to be on him all the time, not realizing that's because it's, that's how you are, you know. I don't believe in karma, but there's a little bit of, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of that in there. You know, when your parents always say, watch when you have your own kids. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ah. <laughs> it's so true. 
so those two things for me is what I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm working on as a parent. Um, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing in our society right now is this whole, like, there's a lot of lawlessness, yeah. right? There's no, like, authority anymore. You know, we're all struggling to kind of make sense of, you know, the police, teachers, you know, politicians, all the people that are supposed to be in authority and even spiritual leaders. Um, and I think that's an important part of building a solid life. Yeah. Like, how do you understand authority, right? How do you understand spiritual covering? So how do you view that? How do you view accountability? So I'm actually going to share with you my summer revelation. Can you guys put that picture up? So this is my summer revelation. I got an umbrella for the first time this summer, um, and it was a game changer. So I typically just sit at the beach. I love going to the beach, and I usually just sit there and bake in the sun and think it's the best thing until I walk away, and I'm sunburned, and I'm dehydrated, and I'm exhausted, and I'm irritable, and we've got five kids, and now I'm mad because I have to make dinner, and it's like all this stuff. But I could have just bought an umbrella and just enjoyed the stinking thing. So, <laughs> but this, I was sitting under the umbrella a couple weeks ago, and I thought, wow, this is so nice. And I I really heard in my heart, this is what covering does. So I, um, you know, I've always been kind of a, I mean, I was kind of like a wimpy kid-ish. I was more of a like, I don't want to rock the bow. I'll just stay. Like if my parents said something, I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And I think that in my, in my life, like as a child, it was like, oh, Lindsay's a wimp. But then as an adult, it was like, okay, I don't have many regrets from my past because I, st I stayed under a covering, and I love that. And so I, um, when I sat there, I thought, you know, I don't have to sit. I don't have to sit under the umbrella. I can get up and I can move around if I want, but it's my choice to stay covered so that I can enjoy life better and I can enjoy the beach better. It's my choice to do that. And when, and it's not, for me, it's not a thing where I'm being dictated to or someone's telling me you have to do this and I'm a robot and I, I don't make my own choices. I, of course, I make my own choices, but I can still walk with my umbrella and stay under a covering. You know what I mean? And it's such a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be and who your leaders are supposed to be. And, you know, you're going to have leaders that aren't, that are gonna mess up and you know, politicians that are shady and police that are corrupt and you know, there's all kinds of things that go on, but God is a God of order. And so he's not with lawlessness. Right. He's not with unrighteousness. He's not with us as the people of God cursing our leaders, cursing government. He's not with it, that's just the fact. And so we can have our opinions, and I can have my opinions. There are things that Pastor Steve and Pastor Nancy have said that initially I didn't agree with or I didn't understand, but the wisdom and the Holy Spirit in me said, just sit and wait. Just sit and wait. Don't make a move. You might not agree with it, but don't make a move. Just sit here. And lo and behold, every single time, whether I agreed with it or not, something either wouldn't come to pass or whatever it was or I had a change of heart, miraculously or whatever it was, but this understanding of getting that God is a God of order is a big deal, especially right now. We need to be able to say, you know what, 
I'm not stupid enough to get out from under a covering. Right. I need to be in a church. I need to be in a church that's teaching, that's teaching the word of God, not one that's teaching emotion, not one that's like emotionalism or, you know, that's saying like, oh, let's, you know, I don't know, like crazy, like just the crazy things that people say. I think that it's just so important for us to understand that covering is a necessity. You don't buy a house and not check the roof. And you don't, you're not paying attention to the roof every day, right? Like nobody, nobody climbs a ladder and say, every day and says, let me check this roof and make sure that it's good. But you know what's there and you know that you need it. And that has how, that's what I think about accountability and spiritual covering. And you need to be able to, I think that it's so, I don't want to say you need, we need to be able to be accountable to one another. So if there's something that's going on in my life or if there's something that's shady or if I post something that's weird on Instagram or, or whatever it is, I need to be okay with someone calling me out because accountability is necessary because we shouldn't be lone rangers. We need one another and we need, we need spiritual covering because we don't know what we're doing just as a general rule, <laughs> you know? I see covering like an invisible shield. Like you don't know it's there, but it is, right? And I see it almost like this in, invisible shield that is protecting every aspect of my life, right? People don't realize that the spiritual covering to me blesses your marriage, right? What are you even knowing? Like if you're under the, a good marriage leader, that, that thing's going to spill over to your marriage. Yeah. You know, it's going to spill over to your kids. It's going to spill over to your finances. Like, I feel like this is an invisible shield that, that is over the covering, right? And you don't realize that until you get under from off of it. You know, you don't see it. I remember when Pastor Steve gave us this illustration. It was so good. He says, when you pluck a rose and you give it to someone, that rose is beautiful, right? And, and, but go check on that rose a few months later. That rose dies. Why? Because it got plucked away from its root system. Yeah. Right? And he says, that's what, that's what a lot of people do when they leave the covering. It's like, you look good for a few months, right? It's like when Adam and Eve cut themselves from God's covering. Yep. They, they didn't die physically right away, but they died emotionally. They died spiritually, right? And then there was a domino effect that took place with the children after that, right? Same thing with King David, and you can keep going on and on about anytime you leave a covering, it's not, you don't see it right away. Right. I was talking to someone the other day who has been in church for a long time. We're like, it's amazing to me when parents get offended about something and they yank their kids out of church. They don't realize you're not going to see the results of that tomorrow. But track your kids' progress 10 years from now and see where they are because you got under the, from that invisible covering over your life. All of a sudden, you don't realize, oh, there's no peace in our home anymore. What happened? You know, there's no joy anymore, right? Why? Because you got out from that invisible covering that's so hard to teach because people think you want to dictate their life. No, you want your life to be blessed, right? And it covers every realm of your life when you are under that. So it's one of those things that you have to catch it. It's more caught, you know, than, than thought because it's hard to teach, in, especially in a society where rebellion is the name of the game. So it's like, how do you teach that? No, this is actually going to bless your life, you know, to be under certain covering. Um, and one of the things that this woman told me this week, she was like, you know, no matter how hard it got, I had to strap myself in and stay under covering because I know, like, hey, it's better to be struggling under covering than to be, get under from the covering and lose the blessings that God has for me, you know. Last question. 
So how do you put it all together when there's ministry, there's kids, there's marriage? How, how, do, how do we bring that all together? How do you maintain a solid life in marriage, kids, ministry, all of that stuff? So I think that we had talked about this a while ago. Uh, Pastor Marco talked about it, my soul, my responsibility. I think that that's just, it's so huge in every area of your, in every area of your life. Like when I look at these things, when we look at marriage and kids and ministry, and for us, I, I mean, it's unique for us where we work together in ministry, we're married, and we have our kids. So everything, it just feels like it's just one big pot of life. Like everything is kind of mixed in. And for some people, you know, you can do your job and leave your job at at work and you can come home and and that's that but it doesn't take away from my soul my responsibility so it doesn't take away from the reality that you are an ambassador of Christ wherever you go at your job in your marriage with your kids and so if I'm not taking care of my soul then everything else there's a is almost like a subtraction that happens in every other area because I'm not doing my part. We talked about this earlier when we were talking about joining the mission. Like there's, we're all part of the body. We all play a role. And so at my job, I play a role. With my kids, I play a role. In my marriage, I play a role. And if I'm not doing my part and I'm not taking care of my soul the way that I need to, then everything else seems to, seems to suffer. And there's not really, I mean, we, we get a, we often get the question like, oh, how do you do it all? And I think it's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and knowing there have been times where in ministry where I've said, you know, okay, I can't do this because my kids are sick or I know that they really need my attention and being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but that only comes because I'm taking care of my soul. Otherwise, you're just like kind of going rogue, like I just got to do what I have to do and you're kind of going on your own strength, but it's just so important to understand like my daily responsibility first is to the Lord and it's not to anything else. You know, I, I think usually when this question comes up, the, the word that people usually bring up is balance. And I really believe balance is a myth. I don't believe in balance at all. Because I think the more you try to balance something, the more you, you're missing it. You know? And so people will say, like, oh, maybe I need to do less ministry. Or maybe I need to do less this. It's like, no, I think, I think balance is a myth. Here's what I believe helps us. is to be fully present with each thing. You know, so if I'm home, I want to be fully home, right? If I'm doing ministry, I want to be fully in doing that. And so I think it's about, to me, you show your priority by the way you spend your time. Time is the greatest currency that you have. So if each thing is valuable, if each thing is important, then it, to me, it's not about balance. It's about, am I giving my all to it right now in this moment? You know, so the way that we try to schedule our life is that there's going to be days that are very busy. Um, sometimes I have 12, 13-hour days. But then it's like, all right, what, at what point this week do I take that time and put it into the family? You know? And so I have this thing with the kids. We talk about it. They, they ask me a question every single day. What's the number one question they ask me before I leave the house? Is it a long day today? <laughs> yeah, every, every <laughs> single day. You know, how long is it, Dad? So I have a deal with them. Hey, listen, if, if today is going to be long, tomorrow, Dad, will make it up to you. You know, that's how we, we've been kind of doing this, and we kind of go over our schedule every Sunday night. It's like, okay, what's going on this week? So we kind of know in advance this is what's happening. So for us, it's not about balance. It's about prioritizing your time is currency. It's like it's giving you all 
to where you are. Because uh, we made a decision before we had kids that we're not going to stop being productive and effective because of kids. Because if we do that, we're teaching them, hey, when you have kids, stop doing this, stop doing that. It's like, no, we're going to teach you how to come along on this ride so when you have kids, you can do the same thing. You know? So for me, balance is a myth. It's about, hey, can you prioritize your time and give your best to everything you're doing right now? You know? so, and you reap the benefits of that. Our oldest one is 13, and she loves church. She loves being here. She just asked me when I just got here, can I sign up for joining the mission? She wants to, because she's 13 now. She's like, I want to join the mission. I want to serve. So to me, it's like, that's what I want to teach them. Like, hey, keep serving God. Keep pursuing God. Don't stop, you know. So, any final words? I don't like that question. Okay. No, I don't have any final words. <laughs> Anyways, our, our heart's desire is to, is to help us all journey together yeah. and grow together. Like we always say, just get better by 1%. That's our prayer, you know, like just 1%, one area each week trying to get better in your marriage, in your parenting, in your ministry, whatever God has trusted you with. You know, it's not, you know, no one does anything overnight. It's over time, you know, right. but adding layer to it each and every day will build a solid life. Can you say amen? amen? Would you stand with us? We're going to pray together. Can you, can you pray for us today? I want, I want to pray for families. I want to pray for single people because everybody's expecting. If you're single, you're always praying, God, give me somebody. But I think the best prayer is, God, make me that somebody. Yeah. You know? So let's, let's pray. So God, we thank you so much for who you are, Lord. We thank you that we can come to your house, that we can learn, that we can be under your covering, Lord. God, we pray for every person that is here in the building, that's listening online. God, we pray that you would help us to maintain a solid life, Lord. We pray that we would take the principles that you've taught us, that we would come under that covering, Lord, and that we would say that it's my soul, my responsibility. God, I pray that you would help us to maintain a solid life in you, Lord, that we wouldn't build our life on shaky foundations, but we would build our life on the promises that come from you, Lord. We pray that we stay rooted, Lord, that we stay grounded in your house, God, that through the church, God, that we would truly be a beacon, God, that we would be a light, God, that we would be that city on a hill, God, and that through that, Lord, that your word would go forward, Lord. It only goes forward if we push it forward, God. And so I pray that as individuals, God, we take responsibility for ourselves, we take responsibility for our spirituality, and we are grounded and we are rooted in who you are, Lord. We love you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.